Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our scripture reading, our New Testament reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse number seven. Listen once again to the word of God. Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Her name was Bunny, and the writing was on the wall. At least as far as we students were concerned, the writing was on the wall. The administration didn't quite see it that way. It was my second year of seminary. And to enhance the security of the students and staff and faculty, they hired a new security guard. Her name was Bonnie. Her responsibility was to walk around the campus at night, check the doors. Uh, she was to be there in case there were an emergency. <coughs> uh, Bunny didn't inspire a lot of confidence. She was pleasant enough, sweet and kind. She was about so high, she kept her hair in a bun on the back of her head. She wore a blue uniform. Did I mention that she was very sweet and very kind? She was also afraid of the dark. But the administration saw fit to hire her as a security guard. Did I mention she was sweet and kind? Uh, one evening, while sitting in the well-lit dormitory lounge where, where I was staying, the TV repairman showed up. He apologized to her for not getting there earlier in the day. He looked at the television, he tried to fix it, but then he said, I, I, I can't do it here, I need to take the television back to my shop. And Bunny said, fine, yeah, that's, that's okay. And so she opened up the door for him, and he went out and took the television back to the repair shop. She was sweet and kind, except the TV wasn't broken, and he was not a repairman. I never saw the TV again, and actually, I never saw Bunny again either after that experience. The writing was on the wall. She was just not a good fit, and we knew that. She was afraid of the dark, for goodness sakes. Not a good fit. Not a good time. The timing was all wrong for her to work there. And if you can appreciate the lack of fit between Bunny 
and her responsibility as a security guard, you might appreciate some of the discomfort that is stirred up in today's New Testament reading. I can't help but to wonder, as I think about today's text, if the disciples were also nagged by such doubt. No, it's just not a good fit, Jesus. It's, it's, it's just not. I wonder whenever they stepped back and reflected on their relationship with Jesus, if, if some of them just thought, you know, you know, Jesus, uh, I appreciate your invitation to follow you. I, I've enjoyed getting to know you. It's been a delight. I delight seeing you heal people. But this discipleship stuff, no, it's, it's just, uh, it's not for me. And I think, I think they said that. Because in our New Testament reading, Mark tells us, Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. We are all disciples, aren't we? A disciple is simply a student, a pupil, a follower, but an apostle is one who has been sent. And Jesus and his ministry is all the time sending us out into the world to share the good news, to talk about God's love, to confront evil, to heal the sick. In the Nicene Creed, we, say, uh, we affirm our belief in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Uh, apostolic there means that we are a sent people. God is always sending us out into the world just as Jesus is sending the disciples out this morning. And yet, and yet, that's because he is sending them out at this particular time, and the timing just wasn't right, because he is sending them out at this particular time, I wonder if they are looking at one another and going, no, no, why are we not overthrowing Rome? Why are we not making life better for our neighbors? No, no I, don't, I don't want to be sent out by Jesus into the world. Do you remember what happened right before Jesus sends them out? This is what I mean when I say the timing is all wrong. Jesus and his disciples had gone back to his hometown of Nazareth. There we meet four of Jesus' brothers. He calls them by name. We see that Jesus' sisters are also there. And what happens when he goes back to his hometown? He is rejected. The very people who had changed his diaper rejected him. The people who had taught him to read and to write, they rejected him. The friends with whom he had played while he was growing up on those dusty streets, they had rejected him. And now, Jesus, now you're asking us to go out into the world? We just saw the hatred. We saw the anger on their faces. And now you want us to go out and do the same thing that you were doing here and doing in other places? No, 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 Jesus, no. No, 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 no. The, the timing just isn't right. It's just not a good fit. And if you're still not convinced that it's not a good time, consider what happens immediately after Jesus sends the disciples out. John the baptizer is beheaded. beheaded. So... Here's the structure of Mark. Jesus goes to his hometown, and he's rejected. 
He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, and he leaves. He sends them out, and immediately we see, hair, we, we see John the baptizer's head rolling around in the palace. And between these two horrible, horrible situations and developments, Jesus says, now, I want you to go out. Go on out. Go tell the good news. Now tell me the truth. Do you really want to go out into the world when you see the context in which Jesus is sending his disciples? No. Who would want to do that? It makes no sense. He, he is sending us out into the world knowing full well that what we do will get us rejected on the one hand or beheaded on the other hand. Yet he's sending us out to tell people about God's love, to confront systems of oppression, to challenge those whose hearts are filled with hate. Jesus, you want us to do that? Well, well yeah, he does. In the last 25 years, one of the hot topics in theology has been the development of what's called missional theology. The word mission simply means sent. The church over the last 25 years around the world has been grappling with what it means to be a sent people. We are apostles. What does it mean that everything we do when we come in here is designed to send us back into the world, into situations that are dark and dreary, into the emergency rooms, to assisted living facilities in which people live and no one's there to visit. We're sent out into the world, a world in which our brothers and sisters have been oppressed and hated simply because of the color of their skin or the orientation of their sexuality. That is the world into which Jesus is sending us. And he tells us to take very, very little. Only one tunic, no money. Why? Because we go with Jesus himself. Most of my ministry, <clears throat> I have served as an installed pastor. I've been ordained over 35 years. And for 30 years, I was installed pastor from churches as small as 30 to as large as 1,600. But about five years ago, I decided, well, maybe I want to try being an interim pastor and see what that might be like. So I applied to be an interim at a Presbyterian church in Bedford, New York. Their pastor had been there for 33 years. And, it's, and since in one of my situations, I followed a pastor who'd been there for 32 years and didn't want to leave, I thought maybe I might have something to offer the congregation in Bedford. We had a wonderful interview. So open, flowing, vulnerable. But part of the process of becoming an interim in that presbytery included preaching for the search committee, which is rather unusual. And so when the chair called me up, Anne, and said, oh, Patrick, uh, for us to proceed any further, we need to hear you preach. And I'm thinking, well, you've looked at my videos, you've, you've heard me preach. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, our presbytery requires that we hear you preach in person. This was all pre-COVID, of course. I said, okay. 
And so that September, late that September, early October, I preached at the White Plains Presbyterian Church. And it was a wonderful Sunday. I mean, wonderful, wonderful multicultural congregation and animals were there. It was the blessing of the animal service and people brought their dogs and cats and to the worship service. I'd never seen it done quite like that, but it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. So I drove up from Pennsylvania Saturday afternoon, checked into the hotel, had some dinner, reviewed the sermon, went to sleep, got up early the next morning, talked to my wife, and then checked out of the hotel and started walking to the church. And as I'm walking to the church, a woman strikes up a conversation with me. Uh, did I have any money? She wanted to go get some coffee. And I use credit cards and Apple Pay so often, I rarely have money with me, and I didn't have any money with me right then. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I do, I do not have any money with me. And of course, I'm thinking, I've got to get to the church because the service is going to start soon, and I need to meet the pastor for the first time to see where the pulpit is and get the layout of the sanctuary. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean, I, I, but, I, but I've got to go. Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to this that Presbyterian church over there to preach. Oh, that's where I go to church. Oh, wonderful. I, I hope I see you there. And I walked away from that conversation, and I, I, something just got to me. I, how long would it have taken to go with her to a coffee shop and use my credit card to buy her some coffee? Ten minutes? And what if I had been five or ten minutes late to the worship service? Is that really a big deal? I actually brought this story up when I was preaching to them, and I, I described the woman, and I said, my friends, if I had to do it over again, I would have been ten minutes late, and I would have gone with her to get some coffee. I didn't know, but she actually was in church that Sunday, and people knew her, and this is one of the things she did. She regularly asked people to take her to coffee on Sunday mornings. The writer, mystic Henry Nowen, once said he was irritated by his students and others who always came interrupting him when he was writing and thinking and reflecting. He said, but one day he realized that those interruptions were his work. It wasn't a good time for Jesus to send the disciples out into the world. It wasn't a good time for that woman to be asking me for coffee. I want to suggest to you today that one of the things we rediscover in Lent is that it, it is rarely a good time to follow Jesus. It is rarely convenient to leave one of our tunics at home and go with one into the world to bear witness to Jesus Christ. More often than not, it's going to push us into the realm of our discomfort. It's going to expect more of us and summon more from us than we can ever begin to imagine. I'm wondering today how Jesus might be calling you to go into the world two by two. He doesn't send us out alone. We go in community. How might he be calling you anew to bear witness to God's love here on the Upper East Side of New York City? Does the name Marge Carpenter mean anything to anyone? Kathy, do you remember that name, Marge Carpenter? Uh, yes. <laughs> Sharon knows that name. Thank you, Sharon. Marge Carpenter is the former moderator 
of the Presbyterian Church USA. She served many, many years ago. She was from Big Springs, Texas, and was a journalist. And Sharon, is this accurate? I mean, she was a hoot. Sharon just gave me the double thumbs up. I mean, she just was lots of fun, and she was a hoot, and she had this passion, this deep, abiding, fiery passion for mission and going out into the world and telling people about Jesus Christ. She once received an invitation to go to the 125th celebration of the Church of Cameroon, and she agreed to go. She says she got on the, airport, on the airplane in Kentucky. It was uh, 18 degrees. And when she got off in Cameroon, it was 118 degrees. And she said a 100-degree difference can make you wilt in a hurry. I believe her. She had a wonderful week, and this is how she puts it in one of her little books. They had parades and were on television. They had concerts. They had worship services and banquets. It was just a marvelous week. Then on Sunday, there were so many people that they had to hold the celebration outside. They put the altar outside the church, and 40,000 Cameroon Presbyterians sat up on the hillside. Eight choirs sang, and they rattled things and played drums and danced around. It was just a great event. She said that th then things got very, very quiet, except for the solitary beat of a drum. And she saw a long line of Presbyterian pastors marching in. They were singing in French, and she didn't know French, but she recognized the tune. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. And she thought to herself, I knew we had done something right in Cameroon. It was a wonderful week for Marge. She got on the plane to fly back, and as she's flying back, as I mentioned, she is a journalist, and she started jotting down notes, and she put down 1989. That was the year she went to the Cameroon, 1989, and it was the 125th anniversary, so she just went 20. What year did they, what year did we start the church in Cameroon? 1864. And she looked, 1864? which was a horrible time in the life of our country. As she puts it, Presbyterians were killing Presbyterians. Brothers were killing brothers. And so when she got back to Louisville, she looked at the minutes of the General Assembly from 1864, and under the Foreign Missions Report, she read these words, the world is watching us now in our travail to see if we are serious about the global mission and the Great Commission. And the General Assembly that year, that awful year, sent three missionaries to Cameroon. And she was curious, and so she pulled down the minutes from the 1864 meeting of the General Assembly of the Southern Church, and it read, Our backs are to the wall, and our homes are being burned, and our churches destroyed, but we must send another missionary to Brazil. And they did. Sometimes the timing is all wrong, all wrong. The writing is on the wall, it's not a good fit. But 2,000 years ago, and in 1864, and even today, Jesus sends us out into the world to proclaim the good news 
of Jesus Christ. And my friends, when you do that, as inconvenient as it might be, as uncomfortable as it might be, as frightening as it might be, when you do that, you will know God in a way that you have never imagined. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Amen.